This is Faith Ignited, the podcast where we put God back into history. Episode 1 The Slave Maywin shivered as a cold breeze brushed past him, robbing the heat from his body. On these bitter mornings where the wind and sheep were his only friends, he thought on the desperate depth of loneliness he'd reached. The ache of solitude and grief had dulled some over the passing years, but it never left him completely. As he sat atop one of the sloping Irish hills, he could see the ocean unfolding into the distance beyond the rugged shore. He thought of his family, so far away back in Britain. Did they think of him as often as he thought of them? Would they even recognize him now? It had been six years, six miserable years, since the Irish barbarians had carried him away from his home and sold him as a slave. He had been only sixteen then, just a boy. He was twenty-two now, a man, with a stubble on his jaw to prove it. Looking out at the silent green hills, they seemed to Maywin a prison, and the ocean a great barrier between him and his home. Oh, Father, Maywin silently prayed, you alone know the thoughts of my heart. The boy now turned man had prayed constantly over the past six years, and Maywin felt that familiar feeling of love enter his heart, assuring him of hope, despite the bleak look of his future. God had been the only source he'd had to turn to, and there he'd found peace. Rising to his feet, he started down the hill to be closer to the sheep he'd been set to watch over. His master, a druid chieftain, had little compassion, and Maywin had learned not to do anything to earn his ire. Yet strangely, his captivity had led him to discover another master. A kind one. A perfect one. One who loved him completely and whom he now knew he wanted to serve until his dying breath. A man who had been born over 400 years before. The man who'd been known as Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus the Christ. Maywin Sukat, more commonly known as St. Patrick was not born in Ireland. He was born around 386 AD in what at the time was Roman-controlled Britain. Patrick was born into a wealthy family. His father was a Roman nobleman, so he spends the first part of his life living in a great deal of comfort and affluence. At this period of time, Rome is the greatest world power. It's the center of culture and civilization and order. And so this is what Patrick knows for the first 16 years of his life. But as life so often does, it can change very quickly. And it changed very quickly for Patrick. When he was 16 years old, Irish slave traders attack his home, and Patrick is taken captive. Now to give a little background here on Ireland. Ireland had never been conquered by Rome, and that was partly because of the treacherous seas that surround it. Only the fiercest barbarians and slave traders dared to approach Ireland with its towering cliffs and rough waters. The people were very fierce, and really, compared to Rome, they seemed 
I'm sure to Patrick, very uncivilized. They were constantly engaging in warfare against each other, and they valued bravery above all else. We know from some historical accounts that they engaged in headhunting, so they believed that the soul existed in the head. So by taking the head of your enemy, you are basically taking your enemy's soul. The Irish people had a king, but it seems that he didn't have a whole lot of influence over what the people did, and the Irish were pagans. They believed in many gods. So you can see that this would have been a huge culture shock for Patrick. More than that, to just be ripped from everything that he's ever known, everything he's ever loved, it must have been incredibly trying to his soul. The slave traders take Patrick to the northwestern shore of Ireland, where he is sold as a slave shepherd to a local druid chieftain, and he's set to watch over his sheep. He experiences horrible loneliness and despair. He knows that nobody returns from Ireland, that his fate is sealed as a slave. And at this point, I really think that a lesser man would have crumbled, would have just given way to absolute despair. But Patrick doesn't do that. I mean, I'm sure that there were times that he wanted to give up hope. But this is what's interesting. It's during this really dark time in Patrick's life that he comes to know God. And I think that's that way for a lot of us, that it's when you really have no one else to turn to that you come to discover God as your friend. And this is what happens for Patrick. Describing himself, he says, Before I was humbled, I was like a stone lying in deep mud. But he that is mighty came and in his mercy came and raised me aloft. Patrick says that he prayed constantly, that he would pray sometimes up to a hundred times a day. And ultimately, Patrick will end up spending about six years as a slave among the Irish people. But Patrick says that as he prayed, that the love of God filled him more and more. And his praying pays off. Eventually, Patrick hears this voice in his mind that tells him, it is well that you fast, soon you will go to your own country. Now, go to your own country. Patrick knows that the Irish put runaway slaves to death, and anyone who helps a runaway slave could also be punished. And so it seems impossible that he could ever return to his country. But several days pass, and Patrick has this dream, where he hears, Behold, your ship awaits you. And he's told of a place that is 200 miles from where he currently is. And he's shown a ship that will take him back to Britain. It's a place he's never been to. He doesn't know a soul there, but he believes this dream. He believes that God is behind him. And so, defying all odds, Patrick leaves his master and begins a 200-mile journey on foot to find this ship. Maywin laid completely still, nearly holding his breath. The voices echoed through the trees, and he sunk even lower into the brush to remain hidden. As he heard the crunch of their steps fade, he began to breathe easier. Once the insects and the leaves shaking in the wind were the only things he could hear, he cautiously rose to his feet. He was surprised to have come across people at all this far into the country. He had been very careful to avoid towns and take whatever path seemed the safest. Stepping out of the foliage, Maywin felt the biting sting of blisters on his feet. The journey had not come without suffering. 
He'd eaten very little, which his stomach reminded him of on a constant basis, and he was terribly exhausted. Despite this, his spirits were high. He felt that God was behind him, and that thought had banished his fear. He lost track of time as the hours passed and he continued to walk. When he finally arrived at his destination, he recognized it from his dream. The large ship docked near the shore was his ship, the ship God had promised him. As he begins approaching, he sees the crew members hurriedly beginning their preparations to sail. For the first time since he fled, he feels afraid. His heart pounds as he quietly approaches. The men turn to look at him, eyeing him with scrutiny. Grateful he'd learned the Irish language during his captivity, Maywin begins explaining his predicament. He has no choice but to admit that he is a runaway slave and beg them to let him aboard their ship. The captain folded his arms, sneering as he shook his head. Maywin's hopes were doused as he utterly refused to let him aboard. As he began walking away, Maywin directed his pleas heavenward. Please, God, he prayed. You've brought me this far. Please, help me. Before he was able to even end his prayer, he heard one of the men call out to him. Come, hurry, the man shouted. We shall take you on in good faith. So Patrick is able to make it back to Britain, and there he's reunited with his family. I wish that we had more details on Patrick's return back to Britain. But what he says is, I was at last in Britain with my people who received me as their son. But even as Patrick begins settling back into his old life, he learns that even though he's left the Irish now, somehow the Irish can't leave him. They are frequently in his thoughts. And one night, Patrick has a vision where he sees an Irishman approach him and hand him a scroll. Patrick says, I read the opening words of the letter, which were the voice of the Irish, and at the same moment I heard voices from the western sea cry out, We ask thee, holy boy, come and walk among us once more. Now this is what makes Patrick's story so amazing. It seems natural that anyone at this point would say, yeah, I want absolutely nothing to do with those people now. But Patrick knows that God is calling him to go and teach these people, the very same people who held him captive, who put him in slavery, he has now been asked to go and teach them. It makes me think about what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Patrick lived that principle, and he decides to go back and teach the Irish. Now, this wasn't a simple or flippant decision that Patrick makes. He needs to be educated, he needs to be ordained to the priesthood, and so he dons clerical robes and begins his spiritual education. Now, Patrick was really behind a lot of the other students, for obvious reasons. Much of the time that the other students have been educated, Patrick spent as a slave, and so he has a lot of catching up to do. And so this gives him an isolated feeling from some of the other students. And his leaders are not very happy about the idea of him trying to go to Ireland. No one had ever, at the time, considered trying to convert an entire nation. 
especially a nation that really was not friendly to strangers, and it certainly was not the safest place. He says, Many tried to prevent my mission. They would say, Why does this fellow want to throw himself into danger among enemies who have no knowledge of God? But as Patrick advances and is eventually made a bishop, he begins making plans to return back to Ireland. Now, Patrick is never going to come back to Britain. When he leaves, he's standing on the soil of his homeland for the very last time. But this is what he says. I did not go to Ireland of my own accord. The Lord made me fit that I should care and labor for the salvation of others. And despite the danger, Patrick said, I am ready to be murdered, betrayed, enslaved, whatever come my way. Patrick would go on to have one of the most successful missions in all of recorded Christianity. He will end up baptizing over 120,000 people and found over 300 churches in Ireland. In essence, he converted an entire nation. Now, part of the reason he was able to do this was because of how familiar he was with the culture. He didn't come and preach to them in Latin, as would have been typical at the time. He did something that was really kind of radical. He preached to them in their own language. He tried to connect what he was teaching with what the people already understood. He introduced to them a God that was compassionate, that was merciful, and he shows them God's love through his own service. Patrick's faith was so great that he performs miracles among these people, healing them, teaching with, with great power. He's even credited for raising people from the dead. He ends up spending about 30 years preaching to the Irish people, and he died on March 17th, the day that we now celebrate as St. Patrick's Day. The first time I heard the story of St. Patrick, honestly, my reaction was, how have I never heard this story? I have celebrated St. Patrick's Day my entire life. The holiday is literally named after him. But I think it's a product of our society today. We live in a world that is more and more trying to push God out of the picture. St. Patrick's Day is not about wearing green so you don't get pinched. It's not about leprechauns or four-leaf clovers the way the world has made it to be. Not that those are bad things, but St. Patrick's Day is about faith. It's celebrating a man who forgave his enemies. A man who overcame incredible odds and trusted in God. I think St. Patrick would be sad to learn that there's nothing really in our practice now of St. Patrick's Day that has anything to do with faith. It's actually become people's excuse to get drunk. And here's a fun fact for you. The Irish Free State Government banned the selling of alcohol on St. Patrick's Day up until the 1970s because they worried about an unseemly amount of people getting drunk and not treating the holiday with the solemnity that it deserved. Definitely a different story than you'll hear today. But the purpose of this podcast is to tell the real story, to bring God back into the picture, and to see that his fingerprints are all over the history of this world. Studying history this way can change your life, and it can definitely ignite your faith. <laughs>